And so we are on Proverbs, the third lesson of the summer quarter, and the um, title of the lesson is Traps to Anticipate. Do we have some traps around? Yes, we do. Lots of traps. Yes. So this is Traps to Anticipate. So, Lord, we do thank you for your word. We thank you especially for this book of wisdom. And we pray that we would take it in and use it. It's very, very practical. So we help us to submit to your will in this. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in Proverbs. We'll cover Proverbs 6 and 7. The quarterly just covers 6, but I'll give an overview of chapter 7. So the first section is the problem with procrastination, verses 1 through 11. Can I get somebody to read verses 1 through 11? Well, thank you very much. Um, that means that you're going to backstop someone else. It's co-signing. You're co-signing alone, surety. Co-signing alone. So, so yeah, verses 1 through 5 warns against accepting responsibility for another's debt. It warns against accepting responsibility for another's debt. So what are some situations where this comes up in our day? Yeah, I, I think that's probably the most common situation now. You know, your parents co-signing for children who are not financially secure and things like that. But look what it says to do. If you have become security for your neighbor, have given a pledge for a stranger, so you know that maybe this is, I don't know, somebody sounds like a con man <laughs> talked into it. I don't know. If you have been snared with the words of your mouth, have been caught with the words of your mouth, what are you supposed to do? Do this, my son, deliver yourself. Since you have come to the hand of your neighbor, humble yourself, importune, give no sleep to your eyes. Don't stop until you get out of this. Is that, That's what it's saying. You made a mistake. Get out of it. Right. So, you know, what he's saying is to talk... Talk this, talk him, try to get out of this agreement you've made yourself in because you might as well be ready to give that money away. Yeah, so verse one is, you know, the Solomon here is speaking to someone who has already committed himself to this. Verse two through five are to go and renegotiate. Even if you must humble yourself to do it. And you know, the question is what kinds of people need others as surety? They're people who are unreliable as far as money, you know. And uh, so if, if they're coming to you for to, to backstop their loan, that means that the bank who loaned them don't trust them to pay it back. And so it's a risky proposition. So I think, you know, I think what, what do you, I think that's the best way to do it. You know, if you want to uh, give a gift, fine. Okay. Um, and don't expect it back. Right, because many, many times you'll be disappointed. 
and um, so that will that's the best way to do it and never cosign ever I agree with that. I agree with that I for anybody well, that's a good example. It's okay to it's okay to be a good example. Don't feel bad about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great. That is a good example. So uh, you know, and there are times when you might need to withhold that gift for the good of the other person. So, so a warning against co-signing loans. Then it goes on verses six through eight. Solomon, and this is the only one of two places where the ant is described in Scripture. Both places, the ant is described as an example of industriousness. So it's here and then in Proverbs 30.25. And they're both examples of self-starting industriousness. In other words, no one needs to tell them to go work, they do it. They see it needs to be done, they do it. Which is a good example. So our relation to work, in the church age, Ephesians 4.28, let me see if I can find that. Now Ephesians 4.28 is, is directed to the uh, saved thief. Okay? So the person was a thief, and they became saved. And uh, it says, he who steals must steal no longer. So when he becomes saved, the thief, he, you know, you want to please the Lord. Okay, Lord, how do I please you? Well, you steal no longer. But rather, so instead of stealing, he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, and this is interesting, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. So when you become saved and you saved were saved out of thievery, or a life of thievery, then the natural response to that, what the Lord desires of you, is to, number one, stop stealing, number two, stop working, start working, and number three, start giving as you are able. Okay? That is the progression of spiritual growth of someone who's saved out of a life of theft. So, and then Second Thessalonians 3.10, you know, I've quoted that so often, I, I know it by heart, you know. If anyone won't work, then neither shall he eat. So the Lord expects you to uh, work as you, you know, as you can, and to help you to support those who cannot. And that is in, another one is 1 Timothy 5, uh, related to, not, well, it's related somewhat to work, but it talks about the support of your family. First. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 it says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So the Lord, you know, work is a gift from the Lord. The Lord gave us work before the fall. 
it's a way to it gives you something to do that is beneficial and will support you and we will continue to work into the millennium and into the eternal state because it's a blessing you know the work in the garden was fun it wasn't a, a, you know a, a weight it wasn't a drag the curse made it a drag you know at the at, at the fall the lord said now you will work by the sweat of your brow and this is how you'll survive you know it became onerous became difficult it had no weeds all i had to do is there's there's all these fruit trees you know every every which way yeah and um and so it was just it was just something fun to you know occupy your time so that's what work will be like in the eternal state is that sort of thing it will be enjoyable so and now it's not enjoyable but the lord still commands us to do it to work at something so um so first he gives the example of the ant. So go to the ant, observe her ways, and be wise, having no chief officer or ruler. So nobody's telling the ant what to do. They um, prepare her. She prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. She knows what to do, and she does it. So then in contrast to that, Solomon goes on in verse 9, How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. So this is in contrast to the ant. The ant, you know, on its own, does its thing, and the sluggard just lays there. So we don't want to be that way. Um, and I wrote a suggestion down here. My suggestion is during your morning devotions, because remember, God's word is uh, necessary for us, right? Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we need to daily be in his word, just like we need to eat. And um, during that time, we want to take some time of prayer. And I find it helpful personally to ask the Lord how I might please him that day. How can I please you today, Lord? And then I always wait and I think about it. And he gives me ideas. And so I think that's a way to let the Lord guide you in that way. Especially for us, those of us who are retired. You know, if you have a job, well, you know what you're going to do that day. You're going to get up, you're going to go to work and do it. But um, if you're retired which I am, then I have to be more like the ant. You know, yeah, be self-starting. And my wife puts me to shame, man, yep. in that regard. Yes, she is like an ant. As far as she, I think it's, she can't stop, you know. But anyway, that was an aside. Yeah, I'm not the only one. We have a friend, a friend of ours down in Olympia. You know, his name is Michael. Michael and Deb are their name. And, and we're we're watching. We're visiting them, and we're watching Deb do something. And 
Michael and I are standing together and he looks at her and he says, she puts me to shame. Because <laughs> she was working real hard at something. I don't know what it was. But it was, it was hilarious. Yeah, and I feel the same way many times. Okay, so... So that section was about do not co-sign alone and uh, involve yourself in some kind of working. So the next section is the turmoil of troublemakers. Yeah, that's why you need to. The Christian life is best lived by yielding to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit as he guides you, will give you the power to do what he guides you to do. If you try to go outside of that, you're under your own power, and you will wear yourself out and you will quit. So you don't do that. That's why, that's why I think it's important to talk to the Lord about what you should be doing. Because He, if he wants you to do it, he will give you the power to do it. If, he, if you're off on your own doing your own thing, he won't. Well, jobs are part of his will, too. Everything, you know, he oversees everything. So if you're, in, if you're getting crushed by a job, then you might need to pray about that and ask the Lord, how would you suggest I move from here? Now, I mean, that, the, the faith rest walk of the believer is very important, I think, and it takes time to learn how to do it correctly. Some people want to serve the Lord so hard they do it in their own strength, and they those are the people who quit because you can't do it. the The Christian life is impossible unless you're under the power of the Holy Spirit, because the Lord through you will do impossible things. If you try to do that on your own, it's you just can't do it. And it causes you to quit being a disciple. It'll cause you to quit being a disciple. You're still saved, but you're no longer useful to the Lord. So what we want to learn to do is to submit to the Lord every day and say, Lord, how what would you have me do today? And that an example is this little talk I gave at funeral. I didn't want to do that. I'm like, you know, I mean, I, I know, I don't know these people that well. I've seen them a few times over the years because they live in Michigan, you know. And um, I was talking to her sister and I said, we want you to give the message. <laughs> She's yelling, hey. And I'm like, yeah. And I thought, okay, Lord, okay, this is an opportunity to serve the Lord, I will do it. Okay, that's what I mean by submitting to the Lord. You can recognize when the Lord wants you to do something, you know. And um, that is how you should live your life. No, it's not always easy. I was terrified. And uh, it was hard to do. It took me a long time to write it. I sat there with my little computer with the title for two or three days because I wasn't sure what to say. Exactly. But he gave it to me. And, um, you know, not everything is, is that way. Sometimes it's just, well, just you know, do what you should do. 
Okay, so the next one is the turmoil of troublemakers, verses 12 through 19. Somebody want to read those verses, 12 through 19? Okay, thank you. So this section is has kind of two, uh, is divided into two. One is the worthless person. And then verses 16 through 19 describe the characteristics of a person like this and um, and the fact that the Lord hates those things, hates those characteristics. So this, again, this is a trap that you want to avoid. So verse 12, a worthless person, a wicked man, is the one who walks with a perverse mouth. Our speech matters, the way we speak does matter yes exactly yeah that exactly yes it spills out right yeah in verse 14 it says with perversity in his heart continually devises evil that is why he speaks that way person like that the perversity is in his heart and that's what jesus said in Luke 6.45, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. That's exactly what she said. Yeah. So what we have in our heart spills out. So then verse 13, this person he winks with his eyes, he signals with his feet, he points with his fingers, so he has nonverbal cues, doesn't he, of uh, stirring things up, stirring up discord. You know, this is a bad person. The, this, um, the quarterly uses the example of Absalom, David's son. You remember when, and he would meet people coming to Jerusalem and ask what their problem was, and they said, oh, if only I were a judge over you, you know. He's the, yeah, he had a rebellion against David, and David had to flee the city. And, um, yeah, he tried to take over his dad's kingdom. So that wasn't very friendly, was it? So then, verse 15 about this type of person, therefore his calamity will come suddenly, instantly he will be broken, and there will be no healing. You know, I, sometimes Suzanne and I like to watch action movies, and sometimes there's a bad guy in the action movie, yeah, with, with no regret, with no remorse, and he does terrible things, and you can predict that before the end of the movie, he will be dead. You can predict it. And that is because of this right here. His calamity will come suddenly, instantly he will be broken, and there will be no healing. And what was the end of Absalom? Remember? He got his hair caught in the tree, and then what happened? And then Joab killed him with spears while he's dangling by his hair from a tree branch. <laughs> that is exactly what happened. His calamity came suddenly, 
instantly it will be broken and there will be no healing. Okay, that is a warning that you do not want to be this way. You do not want to be this way. Because, then verses 16 through 19, because the Lord hates these characteristics. Okay, that's like pride. If you want God to resist you, be proud. God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. So you don't want to be a doormat, but you want to be humble, you know. And if the Lord uses you, if people are complimenting you, you know, the glory should be directed, well, praise the Lord. The Lord helped me do this. The Lord guided me to do this. It's the Lord's glory. The Lord said he will share his glory with no one else. So that, it makes me nervous when people compliment me <laughs> because, I, because I know this, you know. So I said, well, yeah. You should deflect. That's our job, really. Our job, the reason we were created, one of the reasons is to deflect glory to the Lord. All of creation is for the Lord's glory, including us. And so we want to glorify the Lord um, if people are complimenting. So verse 16, sixth thing the Lord hates, seven which are an abomination to the him. That's some kind of Hebrew thing where they give a number and then they give one more than that. That's in several places in the Bible. He says, haughty eyes. You ever seen haughty eyes? Usually it's from your children when you're trying to tell them something. Yeah, exactly. Rolling your eyes. Those are haughty eyes. A lying tongue and then hands that shed innocent blood. Now that's on the movies. <laughs> that's on the movies I was talking about. Um, so yeah, and sometimes a lying tongue will come from your children also because they don't want to get busted. And so they think by lying they can get out of it, which will work for a while until you catch them. And then it's worse. So, I mean, I was a child too, and I did these things myself <laughs> with the hottie eyes and the lying tongue. Yes, I confess, I did those things too. Um, but this, uh, the, these people who, hands that shed innocent blood, this makes me think of the BLM riots in 2020. Innocent people were killed in the BLM riots. It makes me think of the uh, Bolsheviks in 1917. It makes me think of the brown shirts in Nazi Germany. They used terror to control people. And um, the BLM riots was the same thing, terror to control. Um, so, so we don't want to be like this, <laughs> okay, because the Lord hates it, and he will act against it. And, uh, you know, unless something happens to a person like this, and they, they turn, you know, the Holy Spirit convicts, their calamity will come suddenly, and there will be no healing. That's dangerous to your well-being <laughs> when the Lord hates what you're doing. Yeah, so we don't want to be that way. Okay, so anything else about that?
So section C, warning against infidelity. All sorts of lovely topics here today. So how about I read that one? That's verses 20 through 29. My son, now this few section of verses is again encouraging people to listen to their parents. My son, observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Bind them continually on your heart, tie them around your neck. And when you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk to you. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is light. And reproofs for discipline are the way of life. Okay, and these reproofs for discipline are to keep you from this, to keep you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Now this is directed to the male child. Okay, but it is just as beneficial for the female child to hear this. Do not desire her beauty in your heart. Do not let her capture you with her eyelids. For on account of a harlot, one is reduced to a loaf of bread, and an adulteress hunts for the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Or can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is the one who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her will not go unpunished. Okay, so verse 20, back to verse 20. My son, observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. So who is responsible to educate children? The parents, right? Not the school. It is not the school's responsibility. It is the parents' responsibility. And, um, you know, the school can be delegated some responsibility, but the, the responsibility given by God is to parents. And this is in Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So what he's taught, the commands he's talking about here in this specifically is the Mosaic Law. This was under the law, Deuteronomy, and the parents were to teach the children the law every day, whenever they could. And, um, you know, in the Life of Messiah class, Dane told us that um, Hebrew children at the age of five began to learn the scriptures and learn Hebrew. And at the age of 13, they became a, an apprentice to learn a job, to work. So um, that was a good system. <laughs> but, you know, to, to a far extent, uh, parents today, and I include myself in this, have... Uh, delegated teaching their children to the school system. And the school system today is untrustworthy. It will teach the, your children uh, secular humanism, is what they teach. And um, 
we want to teach them correctly. So Ephesians 6, 4, this Deuteronomy passage was under the law, under the dispensation of law, which we are not in right now. But this passage is what we are in right now, which is the church age. And what does that say? So that's Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So it's essentially the same thing. It's the same thing. Verses, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 21 and 22. Observe the commandment of your father and the teaching of your mother. Bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk to you. What do you think this is referring to? Bind them continually on your heart to remember. Okay, yeah, I I think it speaks to memorization. Um, the, we want to memorize the scripture. Kay's mentioned that several times. You know, she has it memorized, much of it. And so you can bring it to mind. And that's the whole idea of the Awana program. So, yeah, Bible memorization, and even when you get to be an old gomer like me, still memorizing scripture is good. It's good. Yeah, although it's harder now. It is harder now. Yeah. And not just memorization, but application. So application is how we grow spiritually. So we memorize, it tells us, that's the knowledge, and then we apply it, and that becomes wisdom then. So that's what Solomon is telling them here. Remember the commandment of your father and the teaching of your mother and, and apply it. And then you apply it against prostitutes and adulteresses. That's what you apply it to in this specific instance here. So verse... 25, you know, so that he talks about these teachings and the whole idea is to keep you from the evil woman and from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Okay, so they, they use their tongue to entice, right? So verse 25, do not let her beauty in your heart, nor let her capture you with her eyelids. Do not desire her beauty in your heart. What does that mean? You desire, right, do not lust after her. What is the whole pornography in industry based on? A multi-billion dollar industry. It's based on lust. Lust. And, um, and what happens when you lust? And that's all you think of. Eventually you act. If all you, uh, if all you do is think about illicit sexual activity. Eventually, you will act on it. So that is why pornography is a sin. Looking at pornography is a sin because of that fact. So um, now I'm looking up a verse. Uh, Proverbs 4.23, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. What you take into your mind what you think about, what you dwell on, um, guides what you do. And that is why it's important to 
police what you watch. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's very difficult. All of us have bad thoughts. All of us. You know, we still have us in nature. We still have these things. I mean, I from out of the blue, I get the most horrific thoughts that come in my mind. I'm like, oh. <laughs> that's it, you know. And uh, that is where Scripture comes in. You know, you remember it. You pray. If if something is triggering you that way that you're watching, TV is very dangerous. You know, you have to, I, I really do have to monitor myself about what I look at because I can be triggered. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's what you take in your mind. And so that this, this verse about wells, the heart being the wellspring of life, you know, you need to, it needs to be guarded. It needs to be guarded and, and, Good taken in, and you need to avoid other things. Right, right. And I will admit, you know, I, I like Jeff Foxworthy. And he has uh, a lot of jokes about gaseousness and things like that, you know. <laughs> but, but yeah, you, you, we want to have our speech to honor the Lord and our thoughts, you know. See, that's what's hard. The Lord cares about your thoughts. We need the Holy Spirit so bad because we, you know, our thoughts, I mean, come on, Lord, what do you, what do you want from me, you know? And so we need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. So look at verse 26. On account of a harlot, one is reduced to a loaf of bread. Now, what does that mean? Now, is a is a prostitute you know, getting all lovey-dovey with you because she loves you? No, it's because you're paying her to do it. She buys, that's how she makes her living. She makes her living from doing this with you. She makes her living. You are her work. So she reduces you, you know, what should be sacred. You know, this sexual union between a man and a woman is sacred. It is sacred. And uh, she's re that has been reduced now to a loaf of bread for her later. And what happens with the adulteress? An adulteress hunts for the precious life. The adulteress will kill you. The prostitute reduces you to a loaf of bread. The adulteress will kill you. Why? Why is that? Yeah, because the penalty for adultery, remember this is under the law, is death by stoning. It is death by stoning for both parties. Okay? Now, it was frequently ignored, especially for the man. It was frequently ignored. So, Deuteronomy 22 and verse 22, if a man is found lying with a married woman, then both of them shall die, the man who lay with the woman and the woman. Thus you shall purge the evil from Israel. Now, remember in John 8, when the leaders caught a woman in adultery in the very act, right? That's what they said. And they brought her to Jesus and said, what are you going to do with her? You know, now you wonder, if they caught her in the act, where's the man? The man should be there too, right? If they caught her in the act, he was there. And the law said that they should be stoned to death, right? So... And I heard a teaching on this, which I thought was very good. Um, 
the law also required two to three witnesses. Yeah, that was their legal, you know, innocent before, until proven guilty. The law required before any punishment was carried out that the, it be confirmed by two or three witnesses. So where are the two or three witnesses, you know? And where is the man? So that his his teaching was that Jesus was pointing out to them that they had not followed the procedure of the Mosaic law to condemn her. That is what he was showing them. And um, so, and then he didn't condemn her either because he was going to die for her not too long after that. But he did tell her to go and sin no more. And that is his, his first advent was exactly that. On his second advent, it will be for judgment. You know, when we look at the side of the world, Dane has mentioned this in his sermons, when we look at the side of the world and we want the Lord to come and make it everything better, eventually he will do that. And it will be the tribulation. <laughs> That's what, that is when he answers that prayer. Him answering that prayer will be the tribulation period, which will be horror. It will be horror. So, you know, we don't know, really know what we're asking for when we're asking for justice. We are still under his grace right now. This is the time of grace that we're in. He is withholding judgment. So when judgment comes, and it will, it will be the tribulation. And thankfully, since we are in him, we will not be in the judgment. We'll be out of the judgment. That's why we, we want to tell everybody who will listen about Jesus so they can avoid that. Yeah, so a harlot reduces you to a means of material support. An adulteress will get you killed. The marriage bed is sacred, and that is in Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, chapter 13, verse 4, marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So marriages need to be protected vigorously. Now, this made me think of something. Who here likes Garth Brooks? Have you ever heard the song, Papa Loved Mama? Papa Loved Mama. And, and the chorus of the song is, and Papa Loved Mama and Mama Loved Men. Mama's in the graveyard and Papa's in the pen. That's how that song goes. That's what this is talking about right here. Adultery was going on. Papa got angry. He ran over Mama with his truck. <laughs> and then he went to jail. That's what happens when this stuff goes on. So Garth Brooks knows about it. Garth Brooks and Solomon are on the same wavelength. You haven't heard that? That's the dangers. That's the dangers of adultery. Yeah. So verses 27 through 29, these are word pictures about the danger of this. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Or can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? Well, obviously not. So is the one who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her will not go unpunished. And then he compares the adulterer to the thief. People can forgive the thief if the th you know they know the thief is doing this because he's starving or something, even though he still has to pay sevenfold what he stole. 
and it may take everything he has, okay, for the thief. But for the adulterer, restitution cannot be made for that. That is why the penalty is death. And then I'm just going to go on into the next section, the rage of the betrayed. Anybody ever see the Shawshank Redemption? What was Andy in jail for? He was in, in jail for killing his wife and her lover because she was committing adultery. Now, he didn't do it. But that enrages people. It enrages people to the point of murder. To the adulterer, wounds and disgrace he will find. His reproach will not be blotted out. For jealousy enrages a man, and he will not spare in the day of vengeance. His rage will not be stopped until that person is dead. And then he'll be in the pen. <laughs> Go to the pen. He will not accept any ransom, nor will he be satisfied, though you give many gifts. So this is something to avoid. Oh, yeah. Everybody's enraged. Everybody gets enraged. Yeah. So let me go through chapter 7 very quickly. Very quickly. Okay. Verses 1 through 4. It talks about continue to read, study, and memorize God's Word. That's what it's talking about. Verses 5 through 24. Again, this is what happens when you become involved with an adulteress or when, if you're a woman, if you're involved with an adulterer. So what happens? Verse 9, it happens in the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night, and in the darkness. That's when this stuff happens, in the night. People think that they can't be seen. Of course, God sees. Verse 14, this is about the adulteress. I was due to offer peace offerings. Today I have paid my vows. So she was involved in religious ceremonies before the night of hanky-panky. Yeah. So hypocrisy there. Verse 19, this is the adulteress talking. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. No one will ever know. No one will find out. The results are verses 22 and 23. Suddenly he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool, until an arrow pierces through his liver. As a bird hastens to the snares, so he does not know that it will cost him his life. Then verses 24 through 27 are also the result of adultery. Now, therefore, my sons, listen to me and pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many are the victims she has cast down, and numerous are all her slain. Her house is the way to Sheol, descending to the chambers of death. And on that happy note, <laughs> we're done. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these very strong warnings against things that will destroy us. And so we pray for, we pray especially for our younger people, for our children, and uh, also for us, but especially for them, that they would heed these warnings. In Jesus' name, amen.